please stand and join me in the call to worship. We come to hear the story of God's faithfulness to past generations. Our God is also God of the future. The God who was with our ancestors will be with us as well. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church. We come together today to lift our voices and word and song and praise to the one true and living God. As we gather here today, there are many of you who are guests 
You've come from a long way. Some have, uh, are here for a short time. Some have, are back home in a way, who have been away for a while and are now back with us. Some who are visiting here for the fir- very first time, and we're delighted that all have come to share in worship today. There are also those of us who are regular attenders here every week. We always come together, anxious to see who God might bring to this place on any particular day, knowing that as we do, we share with one another the love of God that is expressed in our spirit that is within us, the spirit of Christ our Lord. Today, as we do so, I'd like to have you to just take the blue notebook at the end of each pew. If you would just write your name for those who are members and guests alike, and just let us know that you're here. You can write in there as much as you want or as little as you want, or none at all if you prefer. But nonetheless, we would like to have a record uh, of your attendance with us today. It's great to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to share together, to be the people that God has called us to be as best we can. Here at Southside, we have a mission of building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And that means all people, wherever you are, wherever you come from, wherever you feel like you're going, that we want to be a part of that journey. And knowing that together, with Christ's love and direction, that we can all be blessed by the grace of Christ day by day. I would ask that before we have our invocation, if you would just stand and greet those close to you with the peace of Christ and just express, may the peace of Christ be with you. As you gather, you may be seated for a moment. I see some friends out here of mine that I am happy to, to uh, welcome to uh, service. I, I should pole vault out there and shake some hands, but we'll try to do that afterwards, uh, perhaps. But uh, so good to see everyone uh, here this morning. I want to do two things, though. Uh, one is to break the uh, tradition that we have here. Uh, of, I'm, I'm sort of inserting what Dr. Hull used to call the Ministry of Announcements. Uh, right here for one thing. Uh, you will notice in your uh, worship order that there is a, a leaflet, and on one side of it, there is an announcement of our concert this coming Friday evening, and I just want to call special attention to it. It's here in the sanctuary. Uh, those of you who are aware of the incredible musicianship and storytelling in, in music and, and uh, uh, song of Bobby Horton, uh, and then also who have been fans of Three on a String, uh, they're not going to do all the goofy, weird stuff. Uh, they're going to do their relatively legit stuff, uh, of which there is much, and they're a fabulous group. But the r- other reason I wanted to call your attention to it is that our Southside singers will be a part of the concert as well. Uh, our offertory anthem is actually one of the songs that we will be singing on that concert. It's a shaker, uh, shaker tune, um, Followers of the Lamb. And there are several uh, sort of you know, secular and sacred ones that we are, are doing. So I just wanted to point that out, mention that about today's uh, service and that particular music. Uh, the second thing is that we, uh, last week we sang a new hymn here as the second one, and I was so impressed. Uh, everybody was singing. It was great. So thank you for doing that. Uh, so we decided this uh, 
uh, year, this week rather, we, that we would go back and we would just do an oldie goldie. So after our, our prayer of invitation, uh, we'll ask you to stand and you'll, you'll turn to 633. And I think most of you will know this one. Um, it will not be a sight reading uh, lesson. May we begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us another day to come into your house to gather as friends and as new friends to worship you, to learn of you and of how we may go from this place afterwards and give ourselves to a community, to a world that is in need of what you have gifted us. As we listen, as we sing, as we read, as we hear the word today, may we be mindful that you have given us so much and that it is our responsibility to turn and go out into that mission field which is just beyond the doors of this sanctuary and forward. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. May we stand. My soul of thirst may be gushing from the rock before me, low a spring of joy I see, gushing from the rock before me, low a spring of joy I see. All the way, my Savior.
Our first reading of scripture is found in the Psalter, Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Here ends our first lesson from the scripture. Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8. Our reading this morning is actually verses 31 through the end of the chapter. The introit this morning reminded us of these verses as they begin in verse 28. We know that God works for good those who love the Lord, things for those who love the Lord. And Paul is talking about all these things that happen in our life. And he returns to this theme in verse 31. He says, what then are we to say about these things? These things, all these things that work together for good. Well, he says, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised to, to life, who is now at the right hand of God, who indeed prays for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
wait for just a minute, Jack, as Jamie brings two beautiful young ladies. Well, as you see, young lady brings two beautiful young ladies down here. Hello, Jamie. And I don't think we've had the privilege to meet this one up front. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty, I'm just a mean old man. <laughs> and your name? What is your name? Lila and Anna. We're glad you're here today, and we know this is Jack. Jack. All right. Well, I want to talk to you for just a moment about what Dr. Roxborough had, had been saying. You know, he, uh, he talks about not being able to anything to be separated. Do you ever help mom cook anything, like bake? I know I saw I met you in the drugstore one day, and you had made some cookies for your class at school. Well, you know what this is? Let me show you what this thing has. You cover your food with it, don't you? Well, we're gonna, I want you to hold this piece, okay? Hold it both hands. Now, Jack, I want you to hold this piece, another piece with both hands. Give me this one. So if we want to experiment, I have not tried this. So I, I can't even say don't try it at home. But my experience has been that this is some of the stickiest stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> it is so hard. In fact, if you, now Jack, let's take your piece and, and out of yours, and let's sort of put these things together, and we're going to wad them up. Now, you know there's two pieces in there, right? Now, you think we can separate them? Maybe, but it's not going to be easy, is it? In fact, if I was trying to do it, if I had, well, this is not very good saran wrap. <laughs> I did try. I should have gotten a better. Typically, you cannot separate it. So this is, this is not, this is counterfeit love. It's not God's love. God's love, it would be so tightly stuck together that you couldn't pull it away from your heart or your hand. Do you believe that? That God's love is in here? And nothing can separate you from that, that you know that fact. Now, it's a lot like that love that we experience from our parents. It's strong love. It's love that you know they're going to do anything they can. They'll even sit with you on the side of the interstate through a blizzard and make sure you have food or try to do the best they can to get you through it. Jack, when we have the love of God in us, you know, our, our love is, the love of God is expressed through a lot of different people. Sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's our grandparents, sometimes it's our friends, but there's always that love of God for us. And if I'd had the real thing, this saran wrap would have been difficult to pull apart, so much so that it would feel impossible. That's the way God's love is for us. Do you think if I were to, Jack, if I were to go back there and say, uh, to your granddad, oh, I think that uh, I want to take Jack away from his mom and dad, and we want to keep them here at the church. That wouldn't be a kind thing to say, would it? And you know what? He would not let us. God's love is that way. God's love is with us always, strong, making us know that we're loved and we're cherished by God. That we can always know. So remember this, God's love so strong that nothing, nothing can separate us from that. Nothing at all. Now, 
after we have a prayer, I'll see what's in here. Amen. Amen. But before that, let's, let's offer a prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving for God's love and for all that that love means to us, okay? Loving Lord, we thank you for these children. We thank you for their, the innocence. We thank you for their brightness in their eyes. We thank you for the inquisitive nature that they have. And we thank you also that to understand you is to understand you as they understand you, a God of love who loves all, who cares for all, a God's love who cannot ever be separated from us or us from you. In your name I pray, amen. Well, maybe there's nothing else now. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we come looking for the love, the love that comes from you, the love upon which we depend. We come with a sense of our need, searching that your love will never let us go. We come looking for forgiveness, forgiveness for a whole variety of different things that has occurred in our lives in recent days, looking for forgiveness that sometimes we take for granted. But we thank you that you are the God who graciously forgives us all things. And that love that you show to us challenges our selfishness, challenges us to befriend others, to draw close together to those with whom we come into contact and we pray that your love this morning would show us how to live together, to see others as you see them, to love others without limit as you do towards us. Generous God, in the midst of knowing all that we have received and enjoy, we thank you, but pray for those who are in need around the world, those who suffer drought and famine, those who suffer loneliness and being abandoned. Lord, have mercy. As a God of creation who calls us to care for our world and everything in it, open our eyes to the hardships that sometimes we cause and to the harm we do to your natural world. Help us to live as you intend us to, carefully, respectfully, and lovingly. Generous God, we give thanks for the life of faith and being able to share it freely, but we pray for those of your people around the world who face opposition and persecution. Help them when they stand for justice, for peace. Help them to be faithful to you. Loving God, you challenge us and call us to be a place of welcome, a church without walls, offering your love, care, and compassion to all who need it most. Help us to be people of courage so that our church may be a witness to your vision of how we live together as the kingdom of God. Healing God, we pray for all in need of hope in the midst of pain, for those who are anxious over health issues, 
concerned about their own situation or the needs of their families, for those who fear the last stages of life's journey, draw near to all with your loving presence and your compassionate embrace. We especially remember those in New York City this morning who have been affected by the bombing earlier today. We thank you that no lives were lost, but we pray for those who are injured in body, in mind, and in spirit. Lord, in your mercy, hear all our prayers as we offer them in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
those of you who are perhaps visiting for the first time this morning with us, you probably recognize that my accent is not lower Alabama. <laughs> I don't have any real commitment to either side of the football debate within the state at this moment in time. I follow Glasgow Rangers, the proper football team in Scotland. But I still get caught out for the difference between living in America and living in Scotland, even after 14 years of being here, having to ask for hot tea when that's the only tea that's appropriate. <laughs> On one occasion in preaching in my former church, Vesavia Hills Baptist Church, I said in the middle of a sermon that I had gone to Barnes & Noble and I had lifted a book. I meant I had picked it up, I hadn't stolen it at all. My wife said to one of her friends, feeling agitated, she said, I'm all hot and bothered, and apparently that wasn't the way to express it. <laughs> and don't get me started about scones and biscuits and cookies and pants and trousers. Was it Winston Churchill that said we are separated by a common language? But one thing that I've discovered, no matter where I have visited, no matter where I have lived, that the one thing that brings people together is a common experience of life with all its ups and downs, its good times and its bad times. And so when Paul, in this chapter where he has been reflecting on the wonderful nature of the love of God, says suddenly, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, we wonder, do you really know what you're talking about? because it's not just the good times, but the bad times. And it's in the bad times and the various circumstances that come into our lives that we wonder, is God a God of love? Do we conclude that all things work together for good? And he doesn't leave it there because he comes back to it in this passage we're looking at this morning. He says, what are we to say about all these things? So Paul knows that there's a problem here. He's a pastor. He's aware of the troubles that he's encountered. He knows that people in their everyday life in the first century, whether they live in Corinth or Jerusalem or Rome, in the 21st century, whether they live in Edinburgh or in Birmingham, Alabama, we face all things that bring discomfort into our lives. Paul actually talks about 17 things that we encounter in these verses. Let me say them as fast as I can. Hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, death, life, angels, rulers. Take a breath. Things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, and anything else in all of God's creation. The first 16 are very specific, but just in case we've left anything out, he says, and anything else, anything else that happens to us. Perhaps we might say in the words of St. John McEnroe, when did he ever become a respected member of the tennis community? But remember what he used to say to referees, you cannot be serious. And we might think that that's what we can say to Paul here. Are you serious about all these things? And one thing that I noticed or was pointed out to me about these verses is that in this list, Jesus probably encountered all of them. Hardship, distress, persecution, hunger, nakedness, peril, sword, death, life, angels, rulers, and all the rest. And Paul, Paul probably went through them all himself. He gives various lists of the troubles he faces in life in other of his letters. 
So he's appealing to Jesus by implication, and he's probably giving his own personal testimony that he's encountered all these things himself. Whatever we might make of Paul, and Paul's not always the easiest of persons to follow, one thing that he's concerned to try and get across in these closing verses of Romans chapter 8 is that no matter what we encounter, we shouldn't conclude that the reality of God has somehow abandoned us or that we can be separated from the love of God. When I was growing up in our children's Sunday school, of all places, we had uh, read to us with accompanying pictures on a slideshow, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. It's that allegory of the Christian journey, the story of uh, Christian and his faithful companion, Hopeful, who go on a journey, and John Bunyan writes about all the kind of experiences they encounter. But the one that always has made me chuckle is when they encounter giant despair. And giant despair takes a hold of them and captures them and throws them into a dungeon in Doubting Castle. And then we encounter not only giant despair, but his wife called Mrs. Gloom. What a couple they were. And John Bunyan talks about Christian and faithful being despondent. Until suddenly he has Christian writing, I have a key in my pocket called promise that will unlock all the gates, all the doors of Doubting Castle. It's like in a lovely 17th century quaint way of saying, in the midst of all the difficulties of life, remember the promises that God has made towards you. And that's what Paul is doing in this passage. He begins Romans chapter 8 with the statement that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And he ends it by saying, and there is no separation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And he piles up argument upon argument upon argument. He says, for example, we have the presence of God with us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, the if there is not meant to bring uncertainty. Is God for us? No, it's Paul saying he is for us and he is with us. Now, if you're like me, there's nothing quite like as distressing as being alone. We have nobody with us to share the burden. We face the dark times without a friend and family. A smile, a spoken word, an embrace. We're just by ourselves. We're like the disciples in that first Easter Sunday. They had each other, but they didn't have Jesus. And then suddenly he comes into the room, and he shows them his hands and his side, and he says, Peace be with you. And then Paul talks about the, the purposes of God. Now, we don't understand all, I don't understand all that Paul means by that, but he says, God works out for good all things to those who love God. Whatever Paul means by this phrase and these verses, he's trying to show us that the love of God towards us did not begin when we decided to love God. The love of God began in creation. The love of God took place when Jesus Christ came into this world. The love of God is before us, is prior to us. It reaches out to us before we ever have a thought of reaching out to Him. This love, says Paul, 
makes us realize that God's purposes are eternal. They are loving and are towards us. Indeed, the very first message of the good news of God's love for us is that you are forgiven. God is a God who doesn't wait for us to come like the prodigal son trembling to the back door of the house with our tails between our legs in fear, trying to work out what we're going to say. Make me as one of your hired servants. Perhaps he'll be gracious and kind towards me if I make the effort. No. (laughs) We find that before we've even reached the end of the drive, that he's running towards us with outstretched arms, a smile on his face and tears streaming down his cheeks and shouting out to everybody in the house, get the party ready. The one who was lost is now found. If this is the God who is for us, says Paul, who can be against us? And then Paul focuses on the love of God in providing all that we need through Jesus Christ, incarnate, crucified, and risen. He says, this is the God who did not spare his one and only Son, but gave him up for us all. And this one and only Son is the one who willingly and freely and lovingly came to this earth to live and to die for our sakes. The Father suffers bereavement as Jesus dies. The Son suffers physically, emotionally, and spiritually as He offers Himself for our sake and for our salvation, that our sin might be forgiven. If this is the God who loves us so much on the cross of Calvary, how can we ever conclude that He will stop loving us now in the midst of our lives? How do we know that God loves us? How can we be certain that in all the things of life, he will not leave us alone? Because, says Paul, he is for you. He's been for you in eternity past. He's for you now, and he'll be for you forever. He's the one who gave everything he could for you at the cross. Will he really stop loving you now? But Paul's not finished. He goes on, (laughs) as if that's not enough to say that Jesus lived and died and rose again. He says that Jesus is praying for us. He intercedes for us. He prays for us at the right hand of the Father. It's wonderful to know when somebody says to you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Somebody gives you a card, I'm praying for you this week. It's a wonderful encouragement to know that people remember you, but here is something incredible. The eternal Son of God prays for us, prays for us. Are you convinced by Paul's argument? Or there is, something, is there something lurking at the back of your minds? Are you perhaps saying, well, that, that's good for 99% of the folks here this morning, but I'm not too sure if it's for me. One thing that I've discovered in pastoral ministry over the years is that a lot of people feel that when difficult times come, they, they conclude strangely enough that somehow or another, God is punishing them. That somehow or another they've wandered away and that God's getting back at them. Are you thinking that this morning? Paul wants to say to you, in the all things of life, God doesn't lose his patience. But that's our last lingering fear, isn't it? That somehow or another we'll do something and cut ourselves off from the love of God. Paul says the very opposite is the case. Nothing in all creation And he lists all 17 of them. 
Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing, 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 nothing. God is for you. Always was and always shall be. Jesus has faced everything that you are encountering. And you were with God at the very beginning of time. And he is with you now. And he is with you tomorrow. And he is with you forever and forever. Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, your love sometimes seems to be too good to be true. But we thank you that it is true. And we thank you, despite everything that happens to us and happens in us and the things that we've done, that that love will not let us go because nothing will separate us from the love that you have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Impress that in our minds and our hearts this day and encourage us as we go into the future. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask it. Amen. Will you sing this wonderful hymn that's on the church bulletin this morning? Hope you all have got a copy of that. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean's depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Let us stand to sing.
Will you pray with me? Loving God, giver of life, we come to you in thanksgiving, knowing that all we are and all that we have is a gift from you. Give us the wisdom and the insight to recognize the blessings in these gifts and your will to use these gifts in your kingdom. Help us to be generous as we share our possessions, our time, and our talents. Help us to reach out to others as we leave this place of worship and go into our daily routines. Bless these offerings. We pray with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
loving Lord, we're bringing these tithes and offerings into your house. We pledge, O Lord, that we will use them according to your will as you make that known to us. May your work go forward in this community and beyond. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment? Just wanted to take a moment to welcome all of those who are guests today, especially uh, those who are first-time guests, but others too. If, you've, if you're here and haven't been in a while, uh, we also want to invite all, everyone, members, guests alike, to a brief uh, reception there in the narthex, just some lemonade and cookies, but it gives us a chance to uh, extend to you a warm south side welcome if you are a first-time guest or others, but a time of fellowship. It's uh, sort of a tight confines there, but still we're able to accomplish that, and we hope that you will stay and join us for that. There are a lot of things going on here at Southside this week. Dr. Banks has already alluded to some of those as he uh, talked about the uh, concert on, on uh, Friday evening, but also the activities during the week, a uh, series on Wednesday night that Dr. Roxborough is doing on, uh, it's a Left Behind series, uh, Leaving Left Behind, Left Behind, and or Leaving Left Behind, Behind. And uh, it's a... Uh, uh, a good uh, study that we've all enjoyed, those of us who have been there for the two weeks that it's, uh, he has uh, led us in that already. Also, beginning uh, next Sunday, there will be a, a class, a brief after church, a class that will be, uh, we're inviting all of those newcomers, those who are either guests that might like to come to Southside or those who have recently come to Southside and become a part and maybe not fully engaged in activities here to come and have a, uh, a Newcomers to Southside uh, class that will meet right after worship on Sunday. It'll be a brief time of, of fellowship, but also a time to talk to you about the things going on here, the church itself, where we are, where we have been, and, but most importantly, where we're going. And uh, the, the message today that God is always for you and always for his church, seeking to see it make a difference in the community in which it is placed, but also, and most importantly, in the lives of those that are beyond the walls of this church and also of this city. So we hope that you'll come and participate in that, and some of you have been contacted about that, but others, if you're interested in it, please let us know. We want to have a, have a good group for that event. If you would, please stand, and as you do, Dr. Roxborough is going to come and extend a benediction for you. As you go, receive the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.